I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VEASAN's College Football Betting Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Another edition of the VSIN College Football Betting Podcast. And oh, it feels, feels great. We're getting, we're getting the band back together. Everyone else here at VSIN has a ton of responsibilities. And this gentleman, who will be joining me all throughout the college football season, like he did last year, has been working his butt off on the baseball front, getting our NFL guide put together, and working tirelessly to get our college football guide put together. It is the one and only. Adam Burke. Mr. Burke, how are you, sir? Good. It's good to talk to you again, Tim. It's been a little while here. You know, as you said, I've been in the lab doing baseball since the spring and now the NFL guide, college football guides. So, you know, I'm, this I, I just get to the point now where I'm like, let's just start the damn season already. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you have been uh, tasked majority of the group of five conferences. I uh, I will be doing the Mountain West for the guide and, and at some point for the podcast and actually uh, depending on when folks listen to this, we will be getting a Mountain West Conference preview out uh, later this week uh, with Media Day being at Circa. So uh, a lot of media folks from the Mountain West will be coming on by. But today is the American Athletic Conference, and uh, we've got some changes in this conference as three notable names have moved on out to the Big 12. But the champ does remain. That, would, of course, would be the two-lane green waves so let's just run down adam uh who's in this conference i think that is a very important part of these conference realignments and you know we'll do later this week conference usa another conference that you wrote up and uh that is a 
a little wackier than the American Athletic Conference. So we'll start with this, Adam. Who's in and who's out of the American Athletic Conference now? Yeah, I'll start with this. August 3rd, the release of our college football betting guide. So uh, we're getting you know all the content in here this week. Make sure we get it edited. Obviously, that's a big file for us to edit and make sure we go through the proof. Uh, but August 3rd will be that guide. You can subscribe over at vcin.com slash subscribe. Only available to vcin pro subscribers. And uh, little birdie told me that the summer kickoff special goes up on August 1st. So now would be the time to lock that in. But as far as the AAC goes, as you mentioned, three teams leaving UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati, and they get six teams from conference USA, UTSA, North Texas, Florida Atlantic, UAB, Rice, and Charlotte. So the AAC now is basically half of what remains of the American Athletic Conference, and then six teams coming up from Conference USA, obviously with UTSA, the headliner of that group. Yeah, so UTSA, your two-time CUSA champion, uh, they come in, and uh, Frank Harris remains. However, uh, did lose uh, Zachary Franklin, which obviously we'll get to UCSA here uh, in just a little bit. Uh, what we've been doing I haven't been going down all the odds through the conferences. Uh, I've been kind of looking at uh, cherry picking the top, and we'll get to win totals as well. But uh, DraftKings and Circa, I use those. I've been using those two as uh, comparisons. Obviously, there's other books out there. You guys all know the drill. Rinse, repeat. Make sure you shop around. Uh, but as I look at DraftKings, their odds have Tulane at plus 210 to win this conference, SMU plus 360, UTSA plus 425, Memphis at 6 to 1, and FAU uh, at 7 to 1. And then for Circa, Tulane a little juicier at plus 235, SMU a little shorter at plus 320, UTSA also a little shorter than DraftKings at plus 365, Memphis at 5 to 1, and then Florida Atlantic a little bit longer than DraftKings at 8 to 1. So is there any reason, Adam? to go further than those five teams to potentially win the American Athletic Conference? I would say no. I mean, also something to keep in mind here about the AAC is out of the 14 schools in this conference, seven of them have new head coaches this season, FAU being one of them with Tom Herman coming in, Navy, North Texas, UAB, Charlotte, USF, and Tulsa, all the others. And, of course, you know, for those that were listening to the list you rattled off there, uh, FAU, the only one of the teams that is being given a decent shot of the schools with new head coaches. So could be a transitional year, literally and figuratively, for a lot of the teams here in the AAC. I mean, look, I, I think Florida Atlantic at 7-1 to one is kind of interesting just because there's a lot of talent there in Boca Raton. And now you run into a situation where maybe Tom Herman can maximize it. You know, he gets an old friend in Casey Thompson to transfer in from Nebraska. Thompson was a recruit of Herman's down at the University of Texas in Austin. So he's a guy that's pretty experienced. Uh, they bring back a thousand yard rusher and Larry McCammon. And you would think that defensively, you know, this should be a pretty decent team here in the new look AAC. So if you're looking for a long shot, I think FAU at seven to one isn't a bad play. But the problem is, I really love UTSA in this conference. Tulane brings back Michael Pratt, who was the straw that stirred the drink for them. And SMU, of course, a team that, you know, just in that state of Texas, it's easy for them to get a lot of talent. So I think if you're looking for a long shot, Florida Atlantic is it. But honestly, I like UTSA to win this conference. 
We'll get to UTSA here momentarily, but let's start with the defending champs, the Tulane Green Wave. Willie Fritz flirted with other schools, Georgia Tech most notably. Uh, whether they dropped the ball, Georgia Tech or Tulane stepped up, uh, doesn't matter. Willie Fritz still at Tulane, year number eight. Uh, what a turnaround to, they had from a 2-10 2021 to a 12-2 and season last year where they were also 12-2 and against the spread. So they were covering machines. Uh, had that huge win against Kansas State on the road early on in the year that kind of put them on the map, so to speak. Uh, they won the conference championship against UCF in, in pretty dominant fashion. And then the thrilling come from behind Cotton Bowl victory over USC 46 to 45. As you alluded to, uh, Willie, uh, excuse me, Michael Pratt is back. Uh, flirtations with uh, schools from the SEC um, and, uh, you know, the collective or whatever it is down at Tulane was able to uh, keep Michael Pratt there. However, uh, they do lose Tajay Spears, who was just phenomenal. And he was uh, a third round pick by the Tennessee Titans, uh, over 1500 yards, rushing 19 touchdowns last year. Michael Pratt could run it pretty well. And uh, they lost their top two receivers, uh, Wyatt and Watts, uh, as they both depart as well. So 12 and two last year, regular season win total would have been uh, 10 because they won their conference championship and uh, the bowl game. But uh, you're looking at a win total at DraftKings, nine and a half. Circa has it down at nine. Do you see a little regression coming for the green wave in 2023? Well, look, I mean, I have them projected for 8.64 wins in my power ratings here for this season. But that being said, I have them favored in 11 of the 12 games. It's just that some of their games against the aforementioned Florida Atlantic and then also the home game against UTSA to end the year, both spots where I have them favored by two and a half. Same thing in the week seven game on the road at Memphis. So they'll have to perform well in those big tests, in those close games that they have. I do think it's pretty interesting to see what happens with them defensively because they brought in Sheil Wood, who was the defensive coordinator down at Troy. Troy was a top 10 scoring defense and defense by yards per play last season. So maybe Tulane's offense possibly gets a little or defense, excuse me, gets a little bit better this season. And I think they'll need that because while Pratt did a lot for them, you mentioned the loss of Spears, basically 1,600 rushing yards, 19 touchdowns. That's a huge loss for them. I never want to bet against Willie Fritz teams. I do kind of lean under their win total just a little bit uh, because while I have them favored a lot, I don't have them favored all that big in a lot of their games. So they're going to have to win those close games and, and maybe Pratt and Fritz are able to do that. But I, I do think some measure of regression is coming for the Green Wave for sure. One of the more intriguing non-conference games, in my opinion, Ole Miss coming to Tulane week two. Uh, so uh, I believe that's the first time. I, I forget off the top of my head, but the first time since the 50s uh, that an SEC program heads to Tulane. Tulane, once upon a time, way back when, was uh, was in the SEC. Uh, they do lose three coordinators, as you mentioned, uh, they bring in Troy's D.C. Slade Nagel uh, moves over from tight ends coach, and then they have a new special teams coordinator. So Willie Fritz, uh, a lot of changing of the guard at the uh, at the coaching uh, positions. Let's get to UTS. By the way, you yeah. want you want to talk real quick about weird situations in college football with you know SEC teams going on the road? I found this stunning. Alabama plays at South Florida this year. Yes. Part of a Weird. two, part of a two for uh, two for one. Uh, I remember when that was announced, and I I could be in if you know folks are out there. You can always tweet us at one Tim Murray 
at skating tripods. I, I remember this a little bit because UCF, their old athletic director, uh, Danny White, I believe was his name. He's now at Tennessee. He kind of puffed out his chest and said, Whoa, we're not going to do two for ones with Florida or Miami. It's a one and one. You come here, we'll go there. And I believe USF, and I could be wrong, but USF around that time was like, oh, really? We'll take some two-for-ones with some Power 5 teams. Are you kidding? We can get Alabama to come here. We can get uh, Florida, I think, has gone to USF, if I'm not mistaken. So I believe that was a kind of a stretch there where USF was kind of flexing a little bit and saying, yeah, we'll take some two-for-ones. We'll get some big-name opponents down here. Wisconsin, I believe, has played at USF. So, yeah, if I remember correctly, now correct me if I'm wrong, AAC uh, buffs out there, but I believe that was uh, was the case off off the cuff there. But yeah, certainly, you know, some intriguing. Not to go completely tangent here, but we haven't spoken in a while. Um, you know, te- Texas Tech at Wyoming is going to be prime time. I think CBS, uh, San Diego State gets UCLA, San Jose State gets Oregon State. All of these, you know, Group of Five conferences, even though they've been just. Uh, ravaged by power five teams adam with their talent they're actually getting a couple opportunities here early on in the year to showcase games at home it's kind of cool uh for these g5 programs look at tim murray dropping nuggets about the mountain west conference which again you are doing for our college football betting guides so i love it man And, and you know what honestly it's good for college football for some of those you know big name teams to go out on the road go to some of these more remote locations remote so to speak um i I love it i I love it man and and, you know i'm really hoping that they do more things in terms of home games for the playoffs down the line and stuff like that it's that's what makes college football fun yeah and they're getting you know shine on uh on these big networks which is uh which is great uh to see all right let's get to that team that you mentioned utsa led by jeff trailer uh their head coach entering year number four who uh is a legend in the uh texas ranks there uh, from the high school ranks, he is—he's uh, really done a phenomenal job with this program. Um, you know, to eleven wins last year, conference championship. Twelve wins the year before, conference championship, and now they—they uh, they go up a level, so to speak, uh, to the American Athletic Conference. And uh, Frank Harris is still there, man. Uh, you know, similar situation. Um, congrats to the collective or whatever NIL situation they got going on in roadrunner country, but they were able to keep their quarterback uh, for yet another year, big loss post spring. That really stinks. Cause uh, UTSA uh, that offense is just incredible to watch, but Zachary Franklin, their leading receiver, I believe record holder in, in receiving yards. You might, you know, you could speak more to that 15 touchdowns hits the portal post spring he heads to Ole Miss, so certainly a big loss there, but uh, certainly feels like, uh, Adam, uh, a lot intact there for the Roadrunners heading into uh, the first year of the AAC. Yeah, when it comes to season win totals in this conference, UTSA is one I like. I actually have UTSA down for almost nine wins, 8.95 for me. Just a dog in two games here. They go on the road at Tennessee. They'll be over a two-touchdown dog in that game. Then the other one for me is that game in week 13 against Tulane that you know, because the AAC, you know, because of the way that they kind of have things set up here, maybe that's a championship game preview. Do either one of those teams have to play everybody in that one? That could be pretty interesting. So, you know, that could be a kind of a swing game in terms of your season win total wager. But 
I just like so much about this team. Trailer has this team going in the right direction for sure. Keep in mind, while they do lose Franklin, DeCorian Clark was actually leading the team in receiving yards when he suffered a season-ending injury. Joshua Cephas was a couple catches away from 1,000 yards. They still have guys here that can be impact players for them. I expect this defense to be pretty good. And look, they are stepping up in class to the AAC to a degree. But first of all, they were pretty dominant in Conference USA. And second of all, I mean, yeah, you're moving up a level, but also with UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati gone, really how much stronger is the AAC than Conference USA was? I think it's up a couple of notches, but UTSA, very, very well equipped for that. They do play FAU on the road. They do have that game against Tulane, as I mentioned, but I think this is a really, really good football team, and this is one of my favorite overs uh, of the conferences that I'm doing for the guide, AAC, Conference USA, and Sunbelt. Uh, I, I like UTSA to have a strong first season in the AAC. Yeah, and, uh, over 7.5 at DraftKings, juiced minus 150. Uh, Circa's at 8, and it's juiced over at minus 130. So once again, always look around and see where you can get that half win. Uh, and uh, I always, you know, certainly... If you could get that half win, whatever way you're trying to bet it, uh, you you do what you can to get that half win. Don't get greedy. Uh, that's my personal opinion. By the way, uh, looking at the schedule, because there are so many teams, uh, no SMU, no Memphis. So, you know, you, they do play UTSA, does play Tulane, does play FAU. But, you know, you could argue that those are the five best teams and they don't have to play two of them. So the schedule kind of works out a little bit in UTSA's favor. Uh, they get tested right out of the shoot. Uh, they play Houston on the road. If people recall, that was a triple overtime thriller in the Alamo Dome last year, and uh, UTSA was on the wrong side of that. Uh, they play Army again uh, last year. Uh, they took a two. They beat Army on the road in overtime as well, and, uh, and then they have a huge test. Week four, they go to Rocky Top to take on uh, Tennessee, so quite the challenge there. So, uh, UTSA's non-conference, I would say pretty challenging uh, for the Roadrunners at Houston, Texas State, who's in a, you know, a rebuild, a new regime there in the Sun Belt, Army in a short week at home, and then at Tennessee. Yeah, I'll save it for when we talk about the Sun Belt, but Texas State is one of the most fascinating teams in the country for me with G.J. Kinney taking over uh, as the head coach down there in San Marcos. That'll be an interesting test for UTSA's past defense. Uh, with Kenny coming over from Incarnate Word, where they just they hung almost 52 points per game on FCS opponents. So it is a very interesting non-conference for UTSA because you're going to have Texas State, you're going to have Tennessee, two teams that are going to try to be as dynamic as possible on offense. And it may actually help them because the AAC, I think, will be kind of lacking dynamic teams on offense. So if UTSA can navigate you know, the non-conference and look pretty good defensively, then I think that bodes well for them in conference play. Yeah, I'm also previewing the independents and Army. Uh, if people haven't seen, uh, they are not going under center anymore. No under center triple option. That's going to be very weird to see. They are going shotgun and uh, changing things up with the rules uh, that had changed last year with uh, with the chop blocks. So uh, very uh, unique to see Army and how that will all fare uh, this year for the Black Knights, but uh, I'm actually uh, writing them up and uh, would lean more towards the under on Army, and I have UTSA as one of their losses uh, down there in the Alamo Dome on a Friday night. All right, uh, SMU, uh, Rhett Lashley, year number two uh, down there for the Ponies. They went 7-6 and six 
last year, lost their bowl game to BYU. Uh, they have a change at quarterback, but uh, I'm curious your thoughts on this. So Tanner Mordecai leaves to go to uh, Wisconsin, where he will be the starting quarterback there for Phil Longo's offense. Uh, Luke Fickle, of course, now the head coach of Wisconsin. Um, but Preston Stone takes over. Preston Stone, I believe, is one of the highest rated recruits like in the history of SMU. So is that a big drop-off, in your opinion, to go from Mordecai to Preston Stone uh, at quarterback? I think time will tell in terms of going from Mordecai to Stone. I think the bigger issue is that Rashi Rice went to the NFL, and he had 96 catches last year for the Mustangs, 1,355 yards. No other receiver caught more than 37 passes or had more than 588 yards. So that'll be a big thing for SMU to figure out what they're going to do, who's going to be their go-to guy at wide receiver. And it would certainly help a guy like Stone, who only has 55 pass attempts to his name, to have a guy like Rice, but he won't have that luxury for this season. The other thing I think is really interesting, and you know, we won't really know, I guess, until we see it, but when you have an inexperienced, when you go from the program's third all-time leading passer in Mordecai, a very experienced guy, to an inexperienced, albeit talented guy in Stone, do they capitalize in the red zone? Because SMU last year was 12th in red zone touchdown percentage. I would expect that number to come down. And with a defense that's not particularly great, that would be worrisome to me for SMU. But the big thing for the Mustangs this season, they don't play UTSA and they don't play Tulane. So that's why you see them lined as the second favorite to win this conference. As you mentioned, DraftKings showing plus 360. They've got a pretty reasonable schedule here in conference play. My projections, 8.06 wins. Their win total sitting at eight out there at DraftKings. So basically right on the number. But you know, if Stone is good or if Stone is an upgrade to Mordecai, then the fact that they have this pretty weak schedule, I think really benefits them. Yeah, when you look at you know conferences in the G5, uh, it's the opposite of the P5, where like who did they gain uh, from the portal? It, you know, for the G5, it's all right. Who do they lose? Right, Tanner Mordecai going to Wisconsin, Rasheed Rice. He didn't go to the portal. He was a second round pick by the defending champs. So yeah, he's uh, he was pretty good. Uh, second round pick. You know, I think a lot of people in fantasy will be looking for Rasheed Rice to have a big year there with Patrick Mahomes. So yeah, he was no, uh, no slouch down there in Ponyland. but yeah, as you mentioned, no Tulane, no UTSA non-conference schedule, Louisiana tech at home, uh, at Oklahoma FCS Prairie view, A&M, and then at TCU. So, you know, do they go two and two in that stretch? Could they pull out a victory, uh, over TCU, which I know something you talked about last year. That's a big rivalry, uh, certainly down there, in that area, Dallas and Fort Worth being so close proximity wise and Sonny Dykes being the former coach of SMU. So we'll see if uh, SMU potentially could get some revenge there. Um, but yeah, win total, as you mentioned, uh, at DraftKings, eight minus 165 to the over and a flat eight and a half at Circa. So Circa a little bit ahead uh, of DraftKings in their uh, in their respect, so to speak, for SMU. Uh, and look, I mean, yeah. the, the, the conference schedule is so bad. I mean, I have them favored in seven of their conference games here and, you know, pretty decent favorite at that. The only game I have them a dog is Memphis, and they're only a one and a half point dog. And I just want to clarify that Memphis and this may be a flaw in my home field advantage uh, calculation. I go with a five year sample in terms of 
combined win percentage straight up and against the spread, Memphis is not what they were under Mike Norvell. So maybe that's a mistake on my part to have their home field advantage that big, but that's the only conference game where I have SMU a dog. So that's why you see that heavy juice on the over eight, understandably so, because, I mean, they should win. You know, they're going to be favored at least in seven, maybe all eight of their conference games. But the one last thing I will mention about SMU here, they were tied for the eighth most plays of 20-plus yards allowed last year. So, again, if this offense isn't what it's supposed to be, the defense may hurt them. So, an interesting team, and I think a lot of these AAC teams are for one reason or another, whether it's because they're jumping up in conference or because they have a new head coach. But, you know, for SMU, the floor is very, very high with that schedule. Preston Stone will determine the ceiling for that team. Well, you mentioned Memphis. Let's get to the Tigers, who, uh, speaking of the Mountain West, the conference that I'm previewing, uh, how about Memphis hosting Boise State in Week 5? That is a a tricky spot for uh, certainly – uh, Boise State to have to travel all the way to uh, to Memphis for that Saturday game. But uh, Memphis's schedule uh, starts with Bethune-Cookman at Arkansas State. They get a conference game on a short week. It's a Thursday nighter against Navy at home. Uh, Missouri on a neutral site and then Boise State. Then they have a bye week to play Tulane. But uh, looking at Memphis, uh, they do retain Seth Hennigan, which is huge uh, in, the, in the era of the portal. Uh, can't be said, though, about their top four pass catchers who are all gone. Uh, Their leading receiver, Eddie Lewis, is now at South Carolina. Uh, Their tight end, Caden Prescorn, uh, is at Ole Miss. Uh, Javon Ivory, he is at South Alabama. Uh, So a uh, a lot of departures there for Memphis at the skill position. They do retain Seth Hennigan, which is certainly uh, big, uh, but that's uh, that's a big blow there for the Tigers, uh, losing so much talent at the wide receiver position. Yeah, it really is. I mean, look, maybe they get a little bit more out of the running back position. Blake Watson transfers in from Old Dominion. Pretty good running back, obviously stepping up a little bit in class himself here going into this conference. But, you know, this is another one where – I mean, I just want to clarify here that basically what I do in terms of my season win totals is I get a spread and then I convert that to an implied win probability, then add all of those up. That's how I get my win total numbers. And for a team like Memphis, I don't know how good they're going to be. I know their season win total is seven and a half. My projections call for 8.25 wins, but I also have them a double digit favorite in five games that gives them a very, very high probability of winning all five of them. So that's a big factor in what my projection spits out. They'll be an enormous favorite against Bethune-Cookman. I think Arkansas State is one of the worst teams in the country. Uh, Spoiler alert for the Sunbelt show. I've got them a double-digit favorite against Navy. Same thing against South Florida. Same thing against Charlotte. Over a touchdown favorite on the road at Temple. Over a touchdown favorite on the road at UAB. So that's another thing to keep in mind, too, is it's not just – the opponents that you play, it's where you play them. Because if you're playing some bad teams on the road, that's a good thing because those are games that you have a good chance to go out on the road and take. If you're playing bad teams at home and going on the road to play good teams, that's a little bit more of a challenge. So the way that Memphis's schedule shakes out gives them the chance to have a really, really spectacular season if Seth Hennigan is healthy. I just don't really know that this team is going to be able to kind of live up to 
you know, kind of the expectations that not only the market has on it, but also, you know, my projections. Yeah. Jury's still out too on Ryan Silverfield. You're five for him taking over for Norvell, as you alluded to, uh, who is at Florida state, of course. And, you know, the last two years, six and six regular seasons. Uh, so it's, it's kind of been a steady drop off, you know, Mike Norvell's last year, they go 12 and two, uh, then it's eight and three, uh, six and six and seven and six. So, uh, yeah, we will see here with uh, with Ryan Silverfield, but win total sitting at seven and a half at DraftKings, minus one fifty to the over, eight at Circa, minus one twenty to the over. So certainly, it feels like Circa, uh, based off of their odds, five to one versus six to one at DraftKings, and eight versus seven and a half. Circa certainly seems to have a higher opinion on uh, on the Tigers than DraftKings. Let's get to Florida Atlantic. One um, another team coming into. The American Athletic Conference, uh, under 500 last year under Willie Taggart, and uh, they fired Willie Taggart after just three years. Tom Herman takes over, who spent, I think, one year in the media, but it's kind of been chomping at the bit to to find a home. And, you know, obviously under Lane Kiffin, they had two 11-win seasons. And I think Tom Herman, there are, there are coaches out there, Adam, and I'm curious to get your thoughts. He, you know, didn't thrive at, at Texas, was was fired after just a handful of years, but he was, and you would know this being from Ohio, you know, thought to be the next big head coach. He was at Ohio State, very selective, ultimately selected to go to Houston, two great years there, and gets the Texas job. So it almost feels like FAU's kind of getting a, a buy-low opportunity on, on a head coach and Tom Herman. And uh, they bring in Casey Thompson uh, from the transfer portal. So, you know, a power five quarterback there for FAU. Win total sitting at seven and a half, even money to the over at DraftKings and uh, flat at Circa. Pretty close to the number for me here on Florida Atlantic, 7.44 wins. I will say, when we talk about the strength of schedule in this conference, there are several teams that don't have a very good one. FAU is not one of them. They play Clemson and Illinois in the non-conference. Then they have a bye week. Good time for Tom Herman to kind of assess what his team has. But I just talked about it with Memphis. You know, it's really important when you play those road games against inferior teams. And, you know, maybe you get a chance at home against some of the better competition. That's the case for Florida Atlantic. They host both UTSA and Tulane. So those are games where I have them lined as a home underdog but obviously games that they have a decent chance to prevail in. I mean, look, going to Boca Raton really helped Lane Kiffin, right? I mean, maybe it didn't help Joey Freshwater so much, but it helped Lane Kiffin kind of get back into the the coaching landscape. And, of course, he's had some success now down in Oxford with Ole Miss. Maybe this is a good spot, you know, for Tom Herman. I mean, they've got decent facilities here. It's in the state of Florida. It's really not a hard place to get kids to want to go. So, you know, this is a situation where he can get a guy like Casey Thompson, who I think can be one of the best quarterbacks in this conference. I think he can get some good production out of skill guys. You know, there are 10 guys back that started on this defense last year. So, you know, new scheme, new coaches and all that. But you know, this is a pretty experienced defense here where the last couple of years, they didn't get after the quarterback. They had 34 sacks combined the last two years. 31 FBS teams had more than 34 sacks last year alone. So if they get more pressure on the quarterback, get the ball back into Thompson's hands, I think FAU is a team that does have a bit of upside. But again, I mean, for their games that they're an underdog in, Clemson, Illinois, UTSA, Tulane, if they don't win any of those, 
then they have no margin for error to get over seven and a half. All right, we'll we'll kind of run through the next handful of teams here, and uh, we'll go. We'll stick with some American Athletic uh, holdovers. Uh, East Carolina, the last couple of years, ECU has gotten back to uh, you know the levels that we once upon a time saw them. It took some time for Mike Houston, who came from James Madison, to to resurrect the program, and it helps when you've got you know Keaton Mitchell and and Holton Nailers there. Uh, but you look at the exodus of talent. You lose your quarterback, who I'm pretty sure might de facto be the mayor of Greenville, North Carolina right now, because he was there for so long. They lose Keaton Mitchell, 14-52 uh, on the ground. They lose their top three wide receivers, including two that over 1,000 yards. So it, it feels like Mike Houston you know, got a couple bowl opportunities. Unfortunately, two years ago, their bowl game against uh, Boston, canceled was, uh, Boston College was canceled due to COVID. They won their bowl game last year, the Birmingham Bowl, but... Could be a little bit of a setback here for ECU. Oh, by the way, they open up the season at the big house against Michigan. Good luck there. But the win total at five and a half, I would assume because, you know, you get an opportunity to play Rice and Charlotte and, you know, a couple newbies, FAU as well. So what do you make of uh, ECU? What seems to be a bit of a rebuild here for uh, the Pirates? Yeah, this will be what their first new starting quarterback since the Obama administration, <laughs> I think, with uh, with Ehlers gone here. You're going to say Clinton administration. It feels I, like that long, man. Hell, it, might, it might be that long. I don't know. But look, I mean, you know, I think this is really interesting because obviously Mike Houston was a very, very good FCS coach, won the national championship at James Madison in 2016. This is one of those years where if he performs up to or exceeds expectations, he's probably getting maybe you know an open ACC job something like that possibly you know maybe finding his way towards I don't know the the Big 12 who knows but this is one of those years where they only have 10 returning starters tons of transfers big loss of production on offense and yet I want to give this guy the benefit of the doubt I have East Carolina 5.74 wins just a little bit above their win total of five and a half I would be a little bit more pessimistic with all the turnover. If you force me to bet something, it would be under five and a half. But look, maybe Mike Houston is just that good. Maybe he's just that good of a coach. And maybe this is the year where he winds up, you know, kind of putting his stamp officially on this program and then moving up from it. A couple of things that concern me, though. First of all, the Pirates last year, plus 13 in turnover margin, but they gave up almost 300 passing yards per game and the 10th highest completion rate in the nation. So if they weren't forcing turnovers, they were giving up yards in bunches, and they do lose some guys on the defensive side that were kind of difference makers for them in terms of forcing turnovers, creating sacks, stuff like that. They haven't held an opponent under six yards per play in over a decade. So I think that's the problem. You know, they lose Keaton Mitchell, as you mentioned. That's a big loss at the running back position, and they have to replace 2,000-yard receivers. <laughs> So there's a lot of lost production for this team. We're going to find out how good Mike Houston is, because if this team is any good, if they flirt with bowl eligibility, this cat's getting a job in the ACC, I think. Yeah, no, and uh, there's a couple teams that are pretty bad in the a ACC. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if Tony Elliott can uh, survive what I expect to be just a horrendous year for UVA uh, there. But uh, going back to my old stomping grounds, Navy, uh, worked on their broadcast team for a handful of years. Um, look, I 
I adore Coach Ken Niamatololo, what he was able to do there and, and the sustained success that they had help having years finishing in the top 25 uh, three times. Think about that. Navy finished in the top 25 three times since they've joined the American Athletic Conference. Um, didn't love the way it ended for him, but you know, three losing seasons and a, a change, I guess, needed to be made. So they they stay in-house. They, they promote Brian Newberry, the defensive coordinator, um, who's been there for four years and has helped really turn that defense around. Uh, I believe Newberry in his first year was, uh, they had a really successful season. That was Malcolm Perry. Uh, they, they finished top 25, beat Kansas State in the Liberty Bowl. They bring back a ton, which is very rare, Adam, uh, for Navy. Look, they have no red shirts. They had no COVID year. They don't have the transfer portal. So they're at a disadvantage already, um, but they do bring back a lot. Uh, they have a new uh, offensive coordinator they bring up from Kennesaw State, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Grant Chestnut could see some new wrinkles there uh, for the mids uh, at the offense. The question for me is, who's their quarterback, right? I think that's what it all comes down to. Uh, I do want to point this out, and we were talking a little bit off air. When they joined the American Athletic Conference in 2015, their first two years, they went to combine 14-2 and two because teams had never regularly seen the triple option following that teams started to figure it out a little bit they had to have less success 2019 though they were really good they play three newbies they play uab they play charlotte they play north texas so uh not a a blanket of just new teams on this schedule so win total for navy uh six at circa six and a half at DraftKings. uh how do you look at this navy team in 2023 well, I think what's interesting about the three conference USA teams that you mentioned, North Texas, new head coach, Charlotte, new head coach, UAB, new head coach. So not only are they playing three teams that have never, they have not really been exposed to the triple option all that often. They also wind up getting teams that have new coaches and have a lot of things in their own backyard that they're worried about, you know, let alone trying to prepare for this Navy offense, Navy with a new offensive coordinator as well. in Grant Chestnut, he was at Kennesaw state who, by the way, joins Conference USA next year, uh, but he's already up at the FBS ranks. A lot of familiarity with the coaching staff here. I mean, Navy simply promoted P.J. Volker, who I believe was the linebackers coach to defensive coordinator. Chestnut and Newberry worked together when Newberry was the defensive coordinator at Kennesaw State 2015-2018. So a lot of familiarity here with the coaching staff, a lot of continuity. We'll see if that kind of bleeds over to the roster. Frankly, I don't know what to do with Navy. I mean, my projection for them is 5.54 wins, so it is quite a bit below the market at 6.5. They do play, of course, that game against Notre Dame to open up the season in Week 0. Then they get a bye week. Then they play Wagner, who they should absolutely trounce. But look, you know, I mean, they're probably going to throw a little bit more this year with the new offense. It's a little bit more of a spread option type of look, maybe a little bit more passing concepts. And as you mentioned, they don't know who's going to be the quarterback. And that is such an important position for Navy offensively. I mean, you look at how much of a difference maker Keenan Reynolds was for them for so long and how completely out of sync they look ever since he's left. So that's a really, really big thing for them. Also defensively, they were 10th in red zone touchdown percentage against last year. That probably won't be the case again. They lose their top sack man and John Marshall. So 
I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think this team will be all that good. I think they could very well flirt with bowl eligibility as their win total line implies, but it is tough now that they're in a conference. And, you know, as you talked about teams, see them more frequently, there's a very realistic possibility. They beat all three conference USA teams, but struggle with the teams that, you know, have seen the option. What I, what I did like from Navy last year uh, and, you know, uh, the thought is anytime they have a big spread, you take the points. I, I loved what I saw from them closing out the year, covered against Cincinnati, uh, dominated the second half against Notre Dame, and then beat UCF outright, and then the heartbreaker against Army uh, to close out the year. Um, you know, they did have a nice stretch, though, I'll, I'll say this, of of some quarterbacks there after Keenan Reynolds. Will Worth was, uh, was successful. Malcolm Perry was tremendous in 2019. Um, but yeah, uh, if you don't have a quarterback with that Navy team, it is a, it's a, it's an uphill battle. So we'll see Ty Lavatai, I thought had some moments, but you know, some reports out of spring were that, you know, some others were getting, uh, were getting the run there, I believe. And you know, if, uh, some of my Navy friends are listening, I believe Lavatai plays lacrosse. So I believe that's why he wasn't there at spring. I'm not a hundred percent sure. So I apologize if I'm off there, but, uh, I think they get to a bowl, but uh, I wouldn't bet over six and a half. I think. Six and six, I think, would be a, a good season for them. First year for Brian Newberry. I'll say this. I do like the schedule for Brian Newberry, right? You 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 go to Ireland, which is not a little funky. You play Notre Dame. You kind of get them out of the way. Um, and they play Notre Dame every year. You get a bye before Wagner. Reset. You play two games. Bye again. Reset. And then they get another bye middle of the year. So it, it's wild to see in totality because they play that army navy game by itself on december 9th they have four bye weeks that is insane to think about yeah it is and also they don't have to go to air force this year that game's at home for yep. them so you know their travel schedule is is not particularly bad they go to memphis they go to charlotte they go to temple all east coast games they play smu on the road and then of course you know the neutral site game against army so yeah, they go to Ireland to start the year, but then other than that, just that trip down to Dallas to take on SMU. So the travel schedule pretty good uh, for the Middies this year. Yeah, uh, last last time they went to Ireland, they they played Notre Dame. They had a bye week, and then they went to Penn State. So a little a little easier turnaround this time around. That was a. Uh, in 2012. All right, uh, let's go uh, kind of rapid fire here down a couple win totals that you're curious about. Uh, just thoughts on North Texas. Um, you know, they actually went to the conference championship game last year, the CUSA title, and then they fired their head coach, Seth Luttrell. So uh, changing of the guard, Austin on I think he was like 37, uh, their starting quarterback last year. Uh, he is gone. Uh, Grant Gannell, he transferred out too, I believe. He's starting somewhere in the Sun Belt, maybe. I can't remember where he went. Uh, but new quarterback, uh, new head coach, um, comes over from uh, Incarnate Word, right? Eric Morris, is that is that right? Yeah, Eric Morris. Um, yeah, he comes over from. Well, he wasn't Incarnate Word from. Oh, he was to Washington State's uh, offensive coordinator last year. Yeah, Washington State's and and look, I mean, he's a guy who played under Mike Leach at Texas Tech. So you're going to see probably a lot of air raid concepts here from North Texas, which when you look at their situation, Louisiana Monroe quarterback Chandler Rogers transfers in. Not super thrilled about that. What I thought was interesting when writing this team up is that they had three different running backs with at least 100 carries last year. Morris is an air raid guy at heart. All three running backs stayed. None of them transferred out. So maybe he's going to try to rely on the run in this first year because he just doesn't have the personnel 
to run an air raid. I know Seth Luttrell was kind of brought in. They sort of expected him to throw it all over the yard. To some degree, he did, but then he kind of wound up leaning on the run a lot more. So that's kind of interesting. I think they could run the football maybe a lot more than people expect. So if the defense is halfway decent, this might be a good team to bet unders with on a week-to-week basis. Uh, My projection, 6.32. Their season win total, 6.5. I I would lean under, if anything, uh, because I I just don't know how this guy is going to fit with wanting to run an air raid and not really being able to do it. Yeah. Um, by the way, I was just uh, having a, a brain fart moment here. I think there was, I think it was Xavier Arlene for Navy who played lacrosse. So uh, I think that was uh, yeah, I think he was the quarterback who played lacrosse. He actually got some run at quarterback last year. Had to clear that up. Okay. We're good to go. Um, let's get to UAB. Uh, Trent Dilfer is their head coach. That's interesting. <laughs> Uh, so he comes over from the high school rang what Lipscomb Academy in, in Nashville or something like that. Um, so we'll see how this is going to go. Uh, we do know that he's going to fight anyone who slides into the DMS of his players. Uh, so that's good. Uh, hopefully we can get some sort of uh brawl going, but, uh, they lose UAB loses by far and away. Their best player. Dwayne McBride was a, a absolute stud 1700 yards rushing, uh, this team really rallied behind the uh, the interim coach last year, which I which I love to see. So it's uh, a lot of new pieces here for UAB. Uh, I don't really know what to put a handle on them. Their win total sitting at five. Uh, interesting. Note the juice here: uh, five minus one twenty to the over at DraftKings, five plus one twenty to the over at Circa. So Circa same number. 40 cents difference on the win total. So uh, certainly DraftKings a little higher on year one for Trent Dilfer. What do you make of the Blazers this year? Yeah, I look, I have their projection down for 4.12 wins. I have them favored in three games here this season. I think there's a couple of different things at play here. I mean, the first is the players really wanted Bryant Vincent to be the head coach. I mean, you know, they basically all came together, wrote a letter to the athletic department, to the administration at the university and said, you know, we want this guy to be our coach. And he's not. And, you know, he was kind of Bill Clark's right hand man sort of through a lot of things with this program. And obviously Clark leading by example, sticking with this team where they didn't play football for two years and all of that. Dilfer is just a huge shakeup here, to say the least. And not only that, there's seven returning starters on this team, four on offense, three on defense. They have basically nobody who has experience at the quarterback position, which you would think that Trent Dilfer would be able to figure out something at quarterback, given, you know, his limited experience at the position. But I just have no idea what this team is going to do. I don't know where offense is going to come from. I'm not even going to pretend to butcher the defensive coordinator's name, but he was the guy at Lipscomb Academy with Dilfer. Um, I just, I don't see this being a great first year for the program. And, you know, look, maybe it's a good thing that they don't really have a whole lot of holdover talent with probably the, you know, sour taste in everybody's mouth about Brian Vincent. But I think it's going to be a tough year for UAB. I mean, you know, they were kind of the class of Conference USA for a while, and Unlike UTSA, who I think is well-equipped to jump up to the AAC, this is a bad time for UAB to be doing it. All right, we'll run through the other teams and their win totals, and if you have any nuggets, we can kind of wrap it up on that. So we've got Temple, win total sitting at five, so we'll see if the Owls can uh, feast 
a little bit on some uh, new blood as they, uh, I think, enjoy seeing teams come over from the CUSA. Uh, it's been a long time since the Matt Rule days of Temple. Uh, Tulsa, they've got their new head coach and uh, Kevin Wilson coming in from uh, Ohio State. Uh, so that is, uh, or excuse me, yeah, Ohio State he was the Indiana coach for uh, a little bit. Um, so he is now the head coach there for Tulsa. Uh, their win total sitting at four and a half. Rice, uh, Mike Blumgren is still there. So that's uh, something. And uh, by the way, a trivia question for anyone out there who's uh, listening. Uh, JT Daniels, is he still playing college football? Adam, you can't answer. He is. He's the quarterback of Rice. How about that? Another guy who back, harkens back to the Obama administration. Yeah, my Lord Almighty. I mean, uh, up, at, uh, up in Provo, um, they've got uh, – oh, man, why am I forgetting the uh, the USC-Pittsburgh quarterback? Uh, who's, oh, Keaton Slovis. Keaton Slovis. He's at BYU. So, yeah, now there you go. Former USC quarterback, still in college football for 400. Um, it's incredible. The guys that are still in college football that can rent a car without a surcharge. It's unbelievable. Real quick note here. Um, uh, worth noting, Rice, who won five games last year, got to get to a bowl game because of uh, their smart uh, down there at Rice. So they had the highest whatever it was to get in a bowl as a 5-7 and seven team. Uh, Bradley Rosner, their leading receiver, had 876 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns. He jumped in the portal two weeks ago, and he just committed to NC State. Uh, personally, I was hoping I hadn't heard anything of who was interested in him. Uh, six five guys. I believe he's entering his eighth year of of college. I I look it up. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but he is no longer with Rice. So their leading wide receiver uh, exited the uh, two weeks ago. So not uh, not great there. Uh, Charlotte's got a coach named Biff. That's awesome. Uh, Biff Pogey. <laughs> He comes over from Michigan. I'm pretty excited about that. They also are on prime time, NBC, uh, week two. Awesome. So that's uh, something. And uh, I think that's it. I think I hit on all of them. So uh, final thoughts on any of those uh, other squads in uh, in the AAC. This is going to be a deep cut reference, but every time I hear the name Biff, all I can think of is Road Rash, the game for Sega. Oh, I thought you were going to go the, the obvious Biff, you know? No. No, I, I I never I never go the obvious. Tim. You know that. No, Road Rash. He was it, he was one of the guys that had a club that you could actually take from him and then hit you people say with. Streets of Rage. Road Rash. Uh, Road Rash. But that was what was the game? Streets of Road Rash. Rage. That oh, was the game. I thought you were talking about Streets of Rage. That was my jam. I love that game. Well, I still have Road Rash in case you ever want to play. All right, um, come on. All right, so a few things here about the bottom of the AAC. The first is I'm kind of bummed that the books are pretty sharp when it comes to Temple because I think Temple could be a hell of a lot of fun. Stan Drayton, they, he came in last year. Their offense looked a lot better. Kurt Warner's kid, EJ, is their starting quarterback. They moved Dewan Mathis, who has played quarterback for them, to wide receiver. He's six foot six, so he could be a really interesting wide receiver target for them. Uh, the defense got a lot better, and they bring in Everett Withers, who's been around the block many times as a defensive coordinator and as a head coach. My projection is almost right on the number of five for their season win total, but I think this could be a really, really interesting team, especially because they play Akron, Rutgers, and Norfolk State in the first three weeks. So they could get 60% of the way to their win total right there. The other one that I want to mention here is, uh, and you actually didn't mention them, USF. but I want to make sure we bring them up. Yeah, USF. So. USF is a really interesting team because I think they're going to be god awful 
but they're going to play fast while being God awful. <laughs> so Alex Golish, who's their first year head coach, first time head coach, actually, uh, he was at Tennessee last year. He was the offensive coordinator under Josh Heupel and was also at UCF when Heupel was there. So he wants to play fast as hell. The problem is they lost a 1200 yard rusher Four of their top five receivers are gone. Jerry Bohannon is still there. Speaking of 30 year old quarterbacks, he's still there. The Baylor transfer, but this defense last year gave up 41 points per game and 7.4 yards per play. So if they're going to have a bunch of fast three and outs, which is what it looks like they're going to do, they may give up 45 points per game this year. So USF, their win total is four. My projection is 3.41. I think they're only favored in two games this season. I like USF under. They could be extremely bad if that offense is not efficient because their defense was the worst in the country last year. They went 1-11 and last year, and uh, Sean King, who I sit next to on a nightly basis on VEASAN primetime, he was a a coach on the staff uh, brought in by Willie Taggart and then held over for Charlie Strong. Uh, he recruited a lot of these guys, and he always talks about the talent that is there and you know how, how bullish he had been on this team. And I used to give him a lot of crap about it. But Brian Beatty, who they're running back that you alluded to, he's at Auburn. And Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr. are both at Colorado. So <laughs> I guess there was some talent there, at least some at the skill positions. And, uh, uh, you know, Jeff Scott could not put it all together. But, yeah, Alex Golish comes in 1-11. and And as you mentioned uh, early on in this pod, week three against Alabama at home. <laughs> all right. Raymond James going to be uh, Tuscaloosa South on that uh, on that Saturday. All right, parting. Gonna start the uh, it's going to start the Heisman push for whoever wins the starting quarterback job at Alabama. <laughs> yeah, uh, it'll be it'll be the post Texas game, so uh, it'll be a, a letdown spot that I I will mention on this podcast. There's almost no doubt about it. Uh, come week three, so we will see. Um, I cannot wait for you to have a South Florida plus thirty-eight and a half. Oh ticket God, it's gonna, forty-one or whatever. Yeah, I mean, can we can we not include home field in that one? It's going to be ninety-three percent Alabama fans. They're going to take a little vacation to Tampa uh, for that one. Um, all right, uh, final thoughts on the American Athletic Conference. Once again, as Adam mentioned, he is writing up the American Athletic Conference. He's already done so for the Veasan. Uh, college football betting guide, which is available. Uh, you want to uh, make sure you get up for uh, the 175 offer, right? Expires July 31st. Is that correct, there, Adam? Yes, sir. VEASAN summer kickoff. So it runs you through the Super Bowl on February 11th, of course, out here in Las Vegas. And yeah, I mean, it's called the summer kickoff. So it implies that you get football, which you do, but also you get everything that we do through February 11th. So that'll include our college basketball betting guide, NBA and NHL betting guides, NBA best bets, college basketball best bets throughout the season, MLB playoffs, all that good stuff. So yeah, 175, that summer kickoff special. And as you said, that is for a limited time here for uh, we're recording on the 17th. So two weeks left in that one. All right, that's going to do it for the American Athletic Conference. Uh, it'll be a full breakdown. Just to kind of recap, you really like UTSA's over, which you can get at 7.5, juice minus 150 to the over at DraftKings. Uh, I believe the under for Navy at 6.5 intrigues you as well. Uh, UAB slightly into the under, and USF under 4.5 would be a look as well for you. Yeah, it sounds about right. I, I think Tulsa might be a little bit better than the market expectation because I think Kevin Williams is, or Kevin Wilson, excuse me, 
has a good chance. I mean, Tulsa always finds talent. I mean, it's I think it's this, one of the smallest schools in FBS by enrollment, if not the smallest. But yet, they always find dudes that can catch the football or run the football. It's incredible kind of the pipeline that they have there. So I think Tulsa could be a little bit better than the market expects as well. All right. Rate, review, and subscribe. We are keeping it rolling. Uh, we will have another preview for you later this week from the group of five we will break down the cusa with mr adam burke also later this week fingers crossed i believe i will have a mountain west preview for you as well with a a handful of folks uh, who will be in las vegas uh covering the uh, mountain west media day at circa but once again rate review and subscribe let's keep the momentum rolling here this off season for adam burke i'm tim murray this has been the vcin college football betting podcast i'm saleya mosin and i've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the united states in 2016 i saw how voters were leaning towards trump and how so many americans felt misunderstood by washington so i started the big take dc We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.